Welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you could use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Robert, now, how are you today? I am really good, Toby, because it's beautiful sunshine here and blue skies. And as I understand it, it's thrown it down with rain in Sydney. It's absolutely pissing it down and it's going to be carrying on pissing it down for many days to come. So I will start um, constructing my ark in the backyard very shortly. What up for Melbourne? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What are we we going to talk about, Toby? Yeah, no, I should say. Now... Just for our listeners, Rob and I uh, interchange on a number of topics. So what we like to try and do is some short, snappy topics of interest to our listeners. And today, we have three. I'd like to talk very shortly about statistics and M&A success rate statistics. Just to get a sort of an overview of what is success and what do the surveys say. And just have a bit of a chat about that. And then, Rob, you'd like to talk about artificial intelligence and essentially the trends that we see in AI and M&A. And I'm keen to join in on that chat, by the way. And then finally, I think back to Rob again to talk about 100 pieces of advice, three each week from a great leader that he used to work with. And um, we'll finish off with that. So those are the three uh, major topics. Now I'll back up now and just talk about success rates and statistics around success for M&A. It's one of these things when it comes to success, and Rob, I'm sure you've seen this and read this, that it gets banded around so much that it varies. Oh, 80% of all deals fail, 70%, 60%. Everybody throws that one out all the time. There, There are numbers thrown, and you sort of think, well, what objective information is there out there that really gives us a proper heads up as to what success yeah. is? And it, it's a funny thing because it is subjective because if you're going to say what is success, like in anything, you have to say, well, what is success and what's the criteria for success? And then the second thing is how do you objectively measure it? So, yeah. And if you, think, <laughs> so, if you think about it, 80% failure rate yeah. was a consistency – We'd stop doing M&As. It just wouldn't be worth it. Well, exactly. So clearly there is success. And 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 it's just different, I think, on every occasion. Let me tell a little story, just a very, very quick one about success. Go for it. And then I'll go into the stats very quickly. It would have been about 10 years ago I was uh, reviewing M&A deal for a financial services organization. And I spoke to the chief financial officer about this deal that was done and they did the integration. And he said... The deal was successful. It was great. Everything worked. And he talked about it because it did meet the objectives, the pre-deal things that they said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. It met the financial criteria that, that was set out. In other words, it was a, an accretive deal. It, it did actually improve the shareholder value that um, okay. they had. So great. Then I spoke to the chief operating officer, and she said, no, it was a disaster. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, we didn't bring the two brands together. We didn't bring the products together. We didn't bring the customers together. We didn't bring the operations together. 
We did none of those things. And so there you had the CFO saying, yes, it was success. The chief operating officer, no, because we didn't do any of these things we said we're going to do. (laughs) Because when it came down to the actual work, it all got too hard. And they said, okay, well, okay, we're we're four or five months into the integration. Let's call it. We're done. Let's let's, dust your hands off, say, let's move on. And so (laughs) that that, that was an example. That clearly depends on where your viewpoint's from, doesn't it? It does indeed. And and this is where I'm going on to here, because now I just want to highlight a particular report, and uh, I think it's a good one. PricewaterhouseCoopers does a yearly uh, survey. They've got the 2020 M&A integration survey. Now, they went ahead and uh, polled 200 executives, and they define success, at least from this survey. Now, before I do this, I just explain one thing here. And this is something that PwC does, and I do agree with it. They define success in three different ways. Okay. There is strategic success, which is yep. based upon the fact that by Doing the deal and actually getting the deal done as per your strategy is success. Right. Okay. Then yep. you have financial success, which is to the excess you actually achieve your revenue and cost projections. In other words, those, those criteria that you set before you do, do the deal. So what you announce yep. the market. So those are success. And then there's operational success, and that comes down to the tactical execution and also more detailed criteria such as sales growth, revenue by employee, or cost of goods sold, those sorts of criteria which are more operational in nature. So that's how they – they have three. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. operational, financial. Now, from the 2020 survey – out of 200 surveyed, strategic success, at least in a moderate success, they, I should caveat by saying, 71%. Okay, yep. 71% of all deals are strategically successful. Yep. Financial success, 50%. Yep. Okay. So there you go, 50-50. Yep. Operational success. This is interesting. I would have thought this would be lower. But natural fat is higher. It's 65%. Oh. Yes, so 65%. Now, I've been looking at um, previous surveys that PricewaterhouseCoopers have done. And I should say that, for example, in 2019, in 2013, I've got strategic success as being 65 financial being 50%, and operational being closer to around 40%, which is what I'd expect. So these numbers do bounce around, but it gives you an indication as to how people see success. So broadly speaking, strategic, 70% successful, financial, 50%, and then operational, you could say it's around 50%, but according to this survey, it was more like 60%. And I tell you, that is a very fair, reasonable reflection of reality in the marketplace. So again, it makes this nonsense of this automatic reaction when everybody turns around and goes... 80% 80% of those things fail. Yes, yeah. yeah. You've got to stop and say, what does, what's failure? Indeed, right. indeed. And I should actually say, I've got another survey here, which is Ian Hewitt survey, 123 sample size. And they say, well, what's the major top drivers for deal failure? And right. the top was that the integration takes longer than expected. That was number one. Number two was cultural integration issues. Uh-huh. My favorite topic, yeah. Indeed. 
three, which is very, very close third, is inconsistent, unclear communication of synergy objectives. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Yes, yeah, so you got your bingo card. I know. We get it right. And, and then the rest goes on. But the yep. thing is, I, I find that interesting. So here we go. Integration takes longer. Culture and in, inconsistent, unclear communication of synergy objectives. Yep. Now, I wanted to keep a brief. I didn't want to go any further than that. But I think this is just an interesting sort of pause to just think statistically, how successful are we? Yeah. I think there's more to discuss around synergy and actual fact, how you define those synergy objectives, because that is the holy grail of all, all M&A deals and is also, as per this survey, singularly challenging. Yeah, And, and I, I think it's worthy discussion in its own right. It definitely is. And I think this is the theme we can pick up on on future weeks. Yes. Because what was going through my head as well was, okay, 50% of deals mm. are successful financially financially right? so but but then again how do you measure that so let's say we sat down and we said this deal has got to achieve a hundred million dollars of revenue and cost savings value yeah, yeah right now yeah. and the deal achieves 93 million dollars yep is that failure well there's it, because Again, it's 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 what tolerance do you put on it? But well, yeah, you've also got to put into personality and politics into this as well. Absolutely, because if you are close to it, you will still define success as something being successful, well, and you announce it to the market as being so. So you're not going to have anybody openly saying that. Oh, this is a failure. I mean, you know, you don't do that. At the end of the day, your shareholders are watching. Yes. And they want good news. They want to know that yep. the strategy you've executed is successful and it's achieving the goals you set out for it to achieve. Yep. Yeah, yep. no, good one. Anyway, so that's that's all. I didn't want to keep it nice and sweet. We could talk on it further, but I just thought it'd be a, just an interesting interlude in terms of uh, discussing what is success. And uh, <clears throat> remember those three things, strategic success, financial success, operational success, three different ways of looking at it. I think we definitely revisit this in future weeks as well. I think so as well. I think it comes down to value. I think value is the most interesting thing that came up on this, uh, one of the servers I mentioned. Now, Rob, yeah. artificial intelligence is the next topic that we want to tackle here. I certainly got some thoughts here. I know you have. So I'd like you to kick off on this quick discussion okay. on where AI is going with regards to the M&A process. So... Uh, this was interesting because, I mean, you raised this topic last week when we were yep. talking and we said we'd look at this more. And I'm dealing with uh, a fair bit of artificial intelligence at the moment in mm. various bits of business that I'm dealing with. And I thought, ah, oh, right, okay, I'll go and have a look at how artificial intelligence is impacting M&A. Yeah. And what came to mind straight away was a good friend of mine in the UK runs a software company that actually has built an artificial intelligence engine for M&A type environments. And they've also been very successful with banks and so on. And what they're doing is using the artificial intelligence to basically wander all over an organization and spot patterns and irregularities so that those things can help you in making more accurate decisions about 
what you want to do in certain scenarios. Yeah. Now, they've been using it initially in almost what you might call financial fraud scenarios. Hmm. So they run across all your financial transactions and they can pick up odd patterns of behavior. Like, did you realize that there's an odd transaction goes through every Thursday afternoon at five o'clock and it's always initiated by the same person in your organization? And that's an early indicator of spotting fraud. Yeah. Now, I started looking at that and sort of going, okay, but how's that used in AI? And I'd be interested in your thoughts here. I read some some pieces, papers that people had written, but the bottom line of it was AI is there to help form and allow speed and accuracy and quality of decision-making, right? Went on to give an example, and I sort of sat back and went, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. And the example it was giving was, okay, in a typical M&A environment, you've yeah. got the acquiring company, yeah, and they, they know everything about their business, hmm. right? There's nothing hidden. They know... Uh, the, the trends and the practices and the volumes and everything else. And then there's the acquisition, which is the unknown. Yeah. And you've got to try and bring those two together. Mm. Right? But essentially what you want to do is bring those two together in a harmonious way. Mm. And so if you can spot patterns that are both complementary and opposing, mm. <laughs> It helps you focus your attention more on where to put the priorities in terms of integration. Sure, sure. And pre-deal, it's going to give you, if we're talking about due diligence, it's going to give you a lot better insight Hmm. into how closely that other business fits with your current business model. Yeah. Yeah, look, I've I've thought about this and... And obviously, being involved in tools and the like when it comes to the M&A process in itself and certainly use some. And I see AI, and I should say narrow AI. In other words, those, I'm not talking about any broad form of artificial intelligence or anything like that. I'm just talking about those sort of things which do specific tasks. And there are some very specific things where AI can uh-huh. play a part. Or should yep. I say intelligent systems? I'm, not, I'm a bit wary about the use of AI. Maybe intelligent systems is a better term. But certainly when it comes to company selection, like when you're tasked with finding potential M&A targets, no doubt about it, if you've got access to large data data pools, then you, through the appropriate searching and, and uh, requirements, you can actually search and analyze potential acquisition opportunities and be given a lot much richer selection of companies that could be potential uh, targets through yep. the use of intelligence systems. So that's one. Yep. Second is obviously due mm. diligence. Due diligence there is a science to it. Yes, there's an art, but there's a science to it too. Right. And I think that right. you can be able to 
tune in and find out where the soft spots or the areas that questions or issues need to be raised against potential targets. And again, I think that's where intelligence systems can play a role. Certainly when it comes to business valuation, now that's a classic because I have seen time and time again models used and no doubt about it, you can get much richer ways of valuing a potential target and um, using different criteria, so on and so forth, and getting much richer, larger data, like real live EBITDA information and share price information being fed into it and get much better and informed valuation decisions. And I think that's where intelligent systems can play a part. And then finally, value and value management, something we'll talk about again in the future. Again, it's more of a science than an art. When it comes to delivering value from a deal, there is no doubt there is a way you you can codify this. And because of that, you can actually have a system that helps drive the whole value realization process from a deal. Yeah. There's a couple of thoughts came to my mind while you were talking there. And and the first one is that you you were talking about art and science yeah. sort of basis. And it, it just reminded me of a, a conversation at one time about a senior executive, and he was floundering. And somebody turned around and said, yeah, well, his problem is that he's always run his business 80% art and 20% science. Yeah. And he's now in a position where he's got to use 80% science and 20% art. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's very relevant for M&A. Yes. Right? Artificial intelligence can give you the 80% science yes. that allows you to apply the 20% art with certainty. Yeah, exactly, because you're better right? informed. Yeah, and it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And, I, th- and I think that's where M&A needs to go. It nearly comes it down does. to 80% science and 20% art because a lot of it you can codify i've done enough deals to realize a lot of you can codify pretty well yep and of course you can actually speed up the process by doing that yeah the other thing that was crossing my mind was because i my career has been in the tech industry and there was a there was three rules that we always used when it came to data mining data analysis artificial intelligence and that is number one you've got to have the volume of data. If you haven't got volume, then like anything else, the uh, error margin increases the less volume you've got to to look at. Mm. Second one is the data's got to be timely. And the third one was it needs to be accurate. Mm. Now, if you've got those three foundations, then AI can be a very powerful tool to use. Mm. But if any of those three, if you haven't got sufficient volume of data, yeah, it's yeah. not... Well, I think we're talking about what's commonly known as big data so, yes. um, and, yeah. and well, access to big data. Yeah, and, and to your point, that's where finance is, if you like, at the forefront of this. Yeah. Because, of course, finance has got access to thousands upon thousands of individual transactions that are going through every single day. It's... And the same in operations, in an operations environment, if you're looking across manufacturing that's producing thousands of components day in and day out, you've got a richness of data that makes AI a very useful and powerful tool to have. It is indeed. And Robert, let me just wrap up. So that's it's a really interesting discussion 
the use of AI and M&A. And I think we're just going to have to watch this space. There's going to be greater sophistication in the way we do M&A in future and increasing yep. use of AI, or as I prefer to say, intelligent systems to perform yep. this, this function better. Now, finally, and third topic, 100 pieces of advice Robert, and this is something you'd like to, you know, um, do each week, which I think is a great idea. So as we sort of close off this uh, podcast, just give us a chat about this boss of yours and the this 100 pieces of advice. Certainly, Toby. And look, the late Les Heyman was the president and CEO of SAP Asia Pacific and one of the operating board members and a mentor to me for many years. And he was one of those great leaders. You can count him almost in the same echelons as Jack Welch and people like that. He, he was just a brilliant leader. And, and what I wanted to do was, in his memory, is to just revisit a blog that he used to write on management. Okay. And as we close each week, just call out three of the pieces of advice from his blog that he offered to to managers and, and i'm just going to read them out not okay I'm not, going to, I'm not going to offer any further commentary on it but just allow people to think about these and dwell on them as part of their leadership practice if you like so if you will allow me yep. to do that go for it okay so the three that i've chosen for this week be prepared to take the blame for failures but right. always, but always give the credit for success to your people. Right. Okay. So repeat that again. Be prepared to take the blame for failure. Be prepared to take the blame for failure. But always give the credit for success to your people. Always give credit for success to your people. Yep. That's great. I and like and let, let's live by that. Okay. I tell you what, the world would be a better place if we all abide by that. I tell you something. It certainly would. The next one's a funny one. This is, this is indicative of Leslie's sort of dry sense of humor. Uh, be yourself at all times. Don't play different characters. I like that because that means authenticity. It does, but there's a punchline to this. Uh, okay, go for it. Right? Be yourself at all times. Don't play different characters. Schizophrenics are hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, schizophrenic. I like that one. Okay. Right. And it's the final one that I've chosen for this week is never lie, but don't always feel the need to blurt out the truth. Never lie, but don't always feel the need to blurt out the truth. Yep. And that, I like that, that. That's just three of a hundred Oh, Fantastic. I think yeah. these are such good quotes, to be honest. Uh, we need oh. to, I think you need to write them up because these simple one-liners I love because you, you pack so much in each one and, and it registers. The thing about these is uh, I've looked through, there's a hundred of them, yeah. right? And Les didn't just write these down. He lived by these values. Mm. Well, yeah. Right, and that's why I want to use this each week just to uh, pay respect to his memory. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's great, Robert, and I love those three pieces of advice. Huh. 
include that in the post bar when we post this make sure you include those because i think they're really really good look just to wrap up look we had a quick discussion on MA success rate and statistics and I quoted um, some interesting stats from a recent PwC survey um, done in 2020. And we also, both Rob and I, had a chat about artificial intelligence and the important trends in that area. And it's going to be a trend that's going to continue. And then finally, we closed out on three pieces of advice from Les Haymans. And that was Rob's mentor for many years when he worked at SAP. So with that, obviously, we'll be back again next week with another set of interesting topics and it all it takes is for myself to say goodbye and uh, speak again to everybody next week and it's bye from me